1: Truroja fans, welcome to episode number 370 of the Peristyle Podcast. Today is May 11th, 2015. We've got a big show for you this week. Gonna to talk to USCFootball.com beat writer Dan Weber a little bit later on the show. Football topics, track topics, NCAA topics. We have Coach Harvey Hyde here in the first segment. You got a bunch of questions for him. Of course, we'd, we'd love to hear from you on those questions. You can send him an email, send us an email, podcast at USCfootball.com. That's podcast at uscfootball.com. Or you can call us two different ways, 206-888-6755. Or go to our website, peristylepodcast.com. Leave a voicemail right on your, on your your from your computer or from your device. And we will play it on the air for you. Try to keep them brief. But we do love to hear from you. And wanted to, without further ado, wanted to bring in the coach, Harvey Hyde. What's up, coach? How you doing?
0: Ryan, how you doing, buddy? A uh, couple of days of rain and now beautiful weather. Uh Gosh darn, it! tell you, it's also fresh after it rains, but we need a lot of water around here to keep those turfs green, getting ready for the coming football season. But uh, I tell you, just a beautiful time of year, and uh, obviously verbal commits are coming in and going out. It, that, it depends what day it is, but yes. uh, <laughs> you know how that is, right?
1: For sure, Coach. And uh, we're gonna, we actually had a question about that a little bit, so we'll get into that. But I want to thank our sponsor, Southern California Tickets, sctickets.com. Clippers are red hot. You want to go check out a Clipper game or any of the NBA playoffs or baseball or whatever you want to do, sctickets.com will help you out. 1-800-888-7287. They will hook you up with you need it. And Coach, before we jump into the questions, I wanted to make a couple little announcements here. First, um, I'm going to be, I know it's the weather's beautiful here, but I'm going to be going on vacation. I'm going out of the country for a little bit with my wife. So, we decided to take the next two weeks off of the podcast, so we'll skip two episodes. We'll be back on June 1st, uh, talking USC football back then. So a couple of weeks off, be on a Secret Assignment, as, as Coach likes to say, and uh, we'll come back uh, with the, the regular podcast starting on June 1st. So apologize for the uh, missing the couple episodes, but I'll be out of the country. It'll just be easier. We'll come back after Memorial Day and, and pick up where we left off. So if you have any questions, just send them in, but let it, I'll let you know that we won't be able to answer those until June 1st. And then we're also uh, – I started a Pac-12 podcast with David Woods, who uh, is one of the writers on the uh, UCLA Scout site, Bruin Report Online. So we have a Trojan site guy and a, a Bruin site guy kind of combining. But we started up uh, a podcast. We want to talk about the entire Pac-12. And I cut. you should check it out sometime, but it's pac12podcast.com. So it's just pac12podcast.com. And we have one episode in in the can. We'll do a couple more. And, of course, I'll go on vacation, so I won't be able to do too many more. But then we'll come back and go on through the off season and talk about the Pac-12. So, Coach, we'll have to have you on a guest on, on that show, too, sometime.
0: I'd love to be there. Anything you say, Ryan, just call a play.
1: <laughs> call a play. Coach is going to run in and execute. Um, yeah, we're trying to do more on the podcast. Side. I know people enjoy uh, listening to them. And uh, so we, we get a lot of great feedback from you guys. We appreciate that. So, again, a couple weeks off. And don't forget to check out Pac12Podcast.com. Well, let's jump into some of these questions, Coach. Uh, Melvin had a question for you. Let me read it for you. He said, I've often heard Coach Hyde say that if you have the talent, try and get it on the field regardless of the supposed position they play. So after last week's show where the subject matter was the NFL draft, here's my question. Regardless of the NFL draft or college recruiting, what do you think is the best strategy in attempting to pick talent? Go for need or choose the best talent available when you have the chance? For example, who said that Leonard Williams might be the best talent available in the draft, because of the, but because of the need, he fell to the number six pick. Would you, would you recruit based on the best player available, or pass on talent to recruit a player who could fill a specific position? Thank you, Melvin.
0: Melvin, uh, it depends on your uh, situation. It really does. It depends as a football coach and an owner where you are as far as your uh, improvement in your franchise and where you want to be in a couple of years. Uh, is it better to, if you need a quarterback, you can't win without a quarterback. So if you need a quarterback, you got to take a quarterback. Uh, if you have a, a quarterback and you have uh, a complete team, a pretty good team, well, then you look for the best possible athlete out there that you can get or trade or trade down if you need to in the draft to get maybe two for one. But you want to, Numbers bring uh, strength in your depth chart. So uh, myself, uh, if I'm a head, foot, head football coach in the NFL, I know I only have a couple of years to prove that I can win or the program's getting better. So I've got to take my need first. got to take what I have to have to show improvement. After I get to a certain point, then I've got to take someone that helps me improve that improvement as far as a player that's in need, and I might pass on a Leonard Williams because I need a, a great receiver. Maybe I have down alignment, so maybe I need a great receiver. So I've got to do what's best as far as if I need numbers, and I have a quarterback, then I'm going to trade down, and I'm going to get a lot of draft choices because I want to build around. Today, if you take a player uh, in the first uh, seven rounds, uh, I would think those players on my roster, if I'm building a program, should make the team. Uh, If I have a complete team, then what I'm looking for is the best player to make me a better, stronger and bring more competition to my franchise. So it really depends on the situation where uh, I am, how much I have to say as far as a head football coach. In a lot of situations, head football coaches sort of sit in the room and look at the owner and suggest to the owner and the director of player personnel and the general manager and say, well, this is what I think. And then sometimes they say, well, this is what we think. Because maybe they have a plan in their mind, you're not going to be around in a year anyway, so we don't care what you think. (laughs) So there's different situations. That's what I'm saying as far as what franchise you're at, where you are in the development of that franchise, and uh, what the needs are. So I can't just make one basic statement because it depends on the situation.
1: And we've seen mistakes made in the past, you know, like Michael Jordan not being selected first because you wanted a big man, and you take Sam Bowie instead. And I, I think on the recruiting side, it's a little different because you're not. It's in the draft, it's you have to go in order, and you can only pick certain guys. Um, but you know, on the recruiting side, you're recruiting who you want. And I think it, if say they USC had a whole bunch of cornerbacks and they didn't need really more, but Iman Marshall was there, you're not going to not recruit. This five-star guy that's in your backyard. So I think there's a lot of it kind of depends. It's a little different in the recruiting side because you, you have more wiggle room. You're you're getting 25 guys or you know usually in that kind of range. Um, but there there's I think there's some tweaks, coach. Where do we really need another defensive lineman? But this guy's great. We want to bring him in. He's he's you know as far as need goes, his talent. I mean his talent is, exceeds what the need is. And if he's that good, you can find a place for him on your team.
0: You can. You can. Uh, Sometimes you just can't pass on a player, okay? But uh, it depends, again, like I mentioned, who's making the call, what the direction of the franchise is going in. Uh, Will one great player make a difference? Uh, Maybe it will. Maybe it won't. Uh, So it really depends on the situation and what you're going to do. I've always said I love the college side of it, why I got 21 – 25 first round draft choices, okay? In the NFL you got one. So I always loved to be in the college part of it because I could change my situation pretty quickly if I considered myself a pretty good recruiter. Because I looked at every single scholarship as a number one draft choice. I didn't look at it as any other, seventh, eighth, anything. I wanted all number one draft choices. And I think that's uh, where my competition, where my Edge was because I love to recruit.
1: All right. Uh, well, speaking of recruiting, this is a, kind of a longer question from John in Oakland. I'll read it to you, coach, and kind of get your thoughts on it. Um, he said, I love the podcast. I learned so much about college football from listening. Thanks very much, uh, John. He said, So the first time in 35 years of following Trojan football, I attended this year's spring game. I enjoyed the afternoon at the Coliseum. However, I read and hear that some fans and commentators complained about the the touch tackling and the lack of hard hitting, I'm not one of those. I remember a time when at the end of the year, spring camp, there was always one or more players injured and out for the coming year. Wouldn't you agree that it's nice to not be talking about who isn't going to be available in the fall and how it will impact the team? Uh, maybe get your, your comments on that first, Coach, and then we'll get into his question.
0: Well, uh, yeah, it's, it's always nice uh, to say we didn't lose anybody in the spring. And everybody's coming along, and they'll be ready for the fall. Depends just where your football program is, too, and how seasoned they are to the type of football you want played in your program. If your program is young and soft and you need to get it tougher and harder and, and work it hard, then it, you aren't getting better. You hear me say every day is a work day. You bring your lunch pail. You can't waste a day of practice or a minute of your time, because uh, uh, other people are utilizing their time. So you've got to do what you've got to do to think you're getting where you're supposed to get. I had the philosophy that, hey, we were going to try to get tougher as well as good. Uh, I thought toughness would win me football games. Guys that have the mental toughness attitude that, that wanted to put somebody away, that wanted to... Be the sledgehammer, not the nail. Uh, I, I like that approach, and sometimes you take a chance at losing a player. You do. Now, in USC situation this spring, they had 10 players, I'm guessing 10, that didn't even participate in the spring as far as hitting. Some went. Some of them went through, walkthrough drills and so on, Trey Madden and these guys, Ruffin and, and so on, Bigelow, but they didn't get in the full seven-on-seven seven stuff. So uh, if you can, I think you've got to. If you watch, uh, now with the numbers coming up for USC in the future, I would like to see it be a physical type of spring practice where you actually get tough and you want to dominate and you want to crush somebody. And it starts in practice. Because remember, you have more practice days than you do game days. Where you get really better is in practice, not in the games. So uh, it's a different philosophy. Uh, yeah. I, like, I would rather see us hit it out as often as we can hit it out and then get well, hope we don't get hurt, than to go the other way.
1: All right. And, uh, well, here's, here's his question. Uh, he said, at this time of the year, I don't really care about which recruit is committed to USC or any other school. It's way too early. Uh, so he's not a big recruiting fan. Don't, don't let everyone else listen to that. We love to follow recruiting. Uh, but he says, most kids uh, haven't even done all of their official visits, and if a sc- and if they commit to a school, other schools can still continue to recruit them. So I expect there will be defections, and some of them will be painful. USC has 23 scholarships to give in 2016, and it's given out 89 offer letters. Subtract the seven commits in USC, uh, and th- 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 excuse me, uh, subtract – The seven commits to USC and those committing to other schools, and that leaves 55 kids out with USC offers for 16 spots. Given the strict NCAA rules on uh, contacting recruits during the year, how do the coaching staffs ensure that they won't fill up their allotment of scholarships on or right before signing day? More and more five-star players are waiting until signing day to hold big media events announcing their selection uh, how does the school keep all those kids with offers from sending their commitment faxes first in the mo- first thing in the morning, and then locking up all available scholarships before breakfast? And he said, finally, does the school have a right to retract an offer, uh, an offer letter on signing day, in order to keep a spot or two available? Thanks and fight on, John from Oakland. So, kind of recruiting stuff, uh, coach. But wanted to get your thoughts on it.
0: Well, you know, it's impossible just to offer 25 scholarships and get 25 kids or 23 scholarships and get 23 kids. You've got to offer many more to get that. And remember, a verbal commit doesn't mean anything. A scholarship from USC offering, and if someone accepts it, means more as far as to the public eye and to high school coaches than a verbal commit from a high school kid that changes his mind. When a college changes its mind, everyone looks and says, how can they do that? The kid really wanted to come to SC. He he made his plans. Well, you know, uh, it takes two to dance, and it's like getting married. You know, if you say, I offer you, and I say, hey, I want to get married with you, and the person says, yes, I do, well, you've heard me use this comparison before well you don't still date other guys you don't you don't do that I want to hear someone say coach I'm committed I'm done I'm not visiting anybody I'm changing my phone number here's my new number I thank everyone that's been recruiting me now I save a scholarship for that guy because I've got to be careful who I offer to too I've got to make sure I just don't offer to offer I've got to offer so that If I get a commitment from this guy, I want him. And if he says I'm not going anywhere else, I'm committed to this guy. But it's very difficult for coaches to be committed to a guy because he changes his mind. And he also says, yes, I'm a USC commit, but I still want to take the rest of my visits. Then is he really committed? So can you hold a school responsible for saying, he offered me a scholarship and then when I decided again I wanted to go there, I didn't have one. So when you offer a scholarship, you want that person, and if he accepts it, to say, Coach, I'm there, I want to come, it's done, and these are the type of players you feel you can win a Pac-12 championship with and a national championship with. So you just don't offer to offer. you got to offer to get a good, strong commitment. Now... Coaches and players play themselves along. Like coaches will say, I'm not expecting to get this guy, so we've got to recruit others. But in case he has a change of mind and wants to come to USC, we'll find a scholarship for him by slow playing. This is what you call slow playing another recruit we offered. And that means all of a sudden you're not calling him as much, uh, there's the less contact between that recruit, and that recruit reads between the lines and says, wait a minute, Washington's call- Washington called me five times a week, and I haven't heard from USC in a month. Well, that sort of gives a clue to that kid. Hey, maybe that's a little shaky, and I don't want to go to a school that doesn't really want me, and then all of a sudden... You see a decommit and you see someone going somewhere else. So, there's ways of doing it where uh, it's not professional, but it's done. But then again, you've got to look at the coach's side of it as far as players coming up to the last minute that have committed and then go somewhere else. So, you've got to be able to offer more than what you're going to get, and you've got to make sure that all your offers are. The type of scholarships that can help you win at your level,
1: and uh, just so people know, I think a lot of times, coach, some of the fans will look at the recruiting aspect like almost like a video game, where this is an official offer. He got a letter, and there's a lot more back communication of what's going on. Where the coaches, you know, if they're someone that's not as they're not as high on, uh, they don't. Maybe they won't communicate as much anymore. Maybe they'll have an open communication saying, "Hey, you know, I don't think you're going to end up playing here. Why don't you look at other schools?" And so there's there's an understanding I think that goes on, and there's some communication or a lack of communication that you kind of get a good feel for what's going on with the recruiting process. But it's it's usually not. I don't I don't think you're ever going to be in a situation, coach, where, oh, we t- we took a we got a commit from a guy or we got a fax from a guy that we didn't want. Um or or we wanted somebody else instead. They'll work that out and they will make sure hey they'll talk to the kid they can do something else. Now you might you don't want to do it in the wrong way. You can burn some bridges and things like that, but you're not it's never going to come down to at the end, oh, we we lost on somebody because we had to take his commitment. I, I just don't remember anything like that happening before. They work those kind of things out. You you're going to get the guys that you want as as long as there you have enough spots for them. Uh, but there is some, you know, behind the scenes kind of communication that has to go on. It's not a fax comes in and now he has to come to USC. So they, they don't necessarily have to accept that if they really didn't want to.
0: No, you're right. Uh, but again, you have to be very careful not to make a mistake. Yes. And uh, a lot of co- schools, and including USC, have made a mistake. Their evaluation has not been one that really has been a player that can play on that level or is mature enough to play that level, or they forecast him to develop into a level, and we're not getting into names or examples on that, but it happens. If you make a lot of those mistakes, you're not going to be around long. Yeah. So uh, and uh, it I, happens.
1: And I think the key there, though, is it's the coach's mistake. I think the question was kind of referring to as a three-star kid that we offered, uh, you know, six months ago, and he sent in a fax, and now we can't take the five-star guy on signing day. Like that doesn't happen. Like you don't have to worry about that. If a coach makes a mistake, it's it's his mistake. He decided to take this player over that. Uh, that's what you should worry about more than faxes. Too many faxes come in, in the, on signing day morning, and all your five stars can't come to school. Like that's that's not realistic. That doesn't happen.
0: Um, no, you always you always get the uh, you always make sure you have a scholarship for that happening.
1: Yeah. All right, uh, Jamal had a question. He said, "Oh my God, or OMG! Uh, Did you watch Oregon's spring game? Their perimeter blocking for bubble screens and wide receiver screens was incredible. None of ours are run to perfection like that. It will be harder than ever on Sark. I mean, I said I will be harder on ever than. Excuse me, I will be harder than ever on Sark because Oregon continued to evaluate. Excuse me, execute with precision despite not having." close to the talent level we have please watch it and when you can coach Hyde and comment later thanks from jamal
0: well thank you jamal i'll tell you what if uh, the pac-12 network would ever get on direct (laughs) tv i'd really appreciate it (laughs) Uh, i mean just i'm just going to send a little notice out that now to everyone and uh i think i saw some of it somewhere i can't remember where i saw it but You've heard me mention this. Uh, I had a lot of contact with the Oregon football team this year when they came down to the the Rose Bowl game. And, uh, Ryan, how many times have I said I spoke to the receivers and and when I was there I I would talk of them and they they told me the number one thing they're worried about doing in the game is blocking. And I think that's something you should teach. Uh, A lot of times when you go out to teach, you're starting to teach routes first. Go, Go to a practice and... Here they are running routes for 45 minutes. They run routes, okay? And 10 minutes they work on blocking. Really, stock blocking or bubble screen blocking or whatever. What if you reverse that? Normally, these guys can run pretty good routes. Yeah. But have they been forced to block like that? No. They've never been asked to do that. All they do all summer is seven on seven camps and evaluation. How many times do they work? And Ryan, you go to every one of these camps. How many stock blocking uh, rules uh, camps uh, drills do they do? Tell me
1: honestly. Yeah, like in the in the off season, it's all about catching footballs. It's all about running routes. It's never about blocking. You're not allowed to block in the seven on seven anyway, so you can't do
0: it. No, no. But drill wise, you could have bags and teach how to do it. You don't see these guys teaching any of this stuff in these camps. Or, or things they go to. Why what's what what are you drilling into a receiver's head? Catch the football, run the route, read the secondary coverage. How about doing the same thing on the other side of it? You're not just a receiver, you're a football player. How many times have you heard me say this? You gotta be a football player. Every play is an important play. Whether you're a decoy, you block, whether you're whatever you do. Well in Oregon they make blocking a priority as far as the receiver. And obviously, as we just heard, our listener notices that. Well, I notice it too. Everyone notices it. Well, you've got to make it a priority. Jerry Tarkanian, when I would watch his practices, he coached like a football coach, started every single practice. The first half of his practice of a two-hour practice was all defense. All defense, and that's what everybody has done and taken from his book, the defensive side of college football, pressure defense, in your face, deny the pass, all of that. Well, what if you did that as an offensive receiver coach or a philosophy? Our first 30 minutes of practice is not to catch the football, but the block because we want to be a balanced football team. To me, it, it sort of makes sense because all these other guys think they're stars before they're stars about how many touchdown catches they have, how many catches they have, and all of the above instead of how about stats and how many good blocks you threw during a football game. That's just as important as catching a football. So it's the emphasis of what you put in these young kids' minds on what's important. So at Oregon, and that's one school I know I can say this at. I don't know what every other school in the country is doing. Maybe Ohio State's doing it. All those others are doing it. But you got to emphasize what you want to be good at it, and you got to work on it. I think that's the best way to answer this question.
1: All right. Uh, thanks, Jamal, for that. And uh, one last one for you from Bob. Kind of a follow-up on the spring game stuff. He said there was a lot of talk about spring games that they're uh, anything but "quote unquote" games. I don't recall them ever being anything like real games, like regular scoring, four quarters, opposing teams, real hitting, special teams, et cetera. Do you recall USC or anyone else uh, ever doing that?
0: Uh, yes. Uh-huh. Uh, maybe it wasn't a kickoff, kickoff return and all the other things, but they tried to work on all phases of the game. And they would line up and they'd actually scrimmage. It was full goal with officials. Everything went. Everything went. The uh, head coach would be in charge and sometimes sit in the press box, and he'd give his defensive coordinator one team and his offensive coordinator the other team. And, and I like what they're doing now, uh, the way they name the different teams. Like it would be USC one team and Trojans the other team. Uh, and uh, use the name of the school, and the mascot, as the two teams. Uh, not that USC does that, but other universities have. And you get after it. You just get after it. And there's bragging rights. And after the spring game, the winning team gets stakes, and the losing teams gets hot dogs. <laughs> and, you know, you have some fun with that. And it becomes competitive. And if one team blows out the other team, that's just the way it is. But you have a draft. We did it when I coached. You would have a draft and you'd sit in a room and you'd put all your players on the board and the two coaches would draft. I'd take this kid, you'd take that kid until we went down. Then when we got to the bottom, sort of, we used to have to equal it out so that we had enough DBs on one team and enough receivers on the other team. You know, we'd do some trading back and forth so we could have a competitive spring game. And it was fun. And we got after it. And the kids loved it. And it meant something. If you go out and you do something that doesn't mean anything, who gives a damn? As a person watching the scrimmage or a person playing in it? So you've got to have some fun with it, yet you've got to get better. And I think you waste a day. You hear me say this all the time. you only got 15 days. You're going to waste one of them? Never waste a moment when you can get better.
1: All right coach, great stuff. We appreciate that. I think a draft would be kind of fun. They could do that live on the internet. They could uh you could be like be in the draft room and have, you know, Clay Helton and Justin Wilcox drafting players. That'd be kind of funny uh to do something like that. I think people something you could have fun with. I think you know, there was a lot of criticism, Coach, but USC just didn't have the numbers. They couldn't play two teams like that. Will they next year when the numbers are better? I don't know. We'll have to wait and see. But I think there will there's be more opportunities going forward. It seems like that's what Steve Sarkeesian wanted to do. He just wasn't able to with the numbers the last
0: couple of years. Well, I think, I'll tell you what you have to be careful of, Ryan. You have to be careful of when you call it a spring game that, it's, that you're misleading people. That it's not a spring game, it's a spring showcase where you're just going to show the people who the players are, what you're doing, blah, blah, blah. And it's more like a circus. Okay. Or a carnival. You have the kids jumping up and down and trampolines in the end zone. You have autographs after the scrimmage, you know, all of this type of stuff. So it's not a scrimmage or a game. It's a showcase. showcase. And when people understand what they're going to go and see, then they're not misled. But there were 23,000 people there, so people are excited about USC Trojan football.
1: Yeah. All right, Coach. Well, great stuff, and uh, thanks for uh, joining the show again. We'll see you in a couple of weeks when I get back from my vacation. And uh, thanks again for answering all the questions.
0: And uh, thank all of our listeners out there, too, for uh, checking in with us. Don't forget Southern California Ticket Service. They'll take care of all of your needs. And, uh, buddy, have a safe trip. And we'll look forward to you getting back here safely with us.
1: Sounds good, Coach. Everyone else, back in a minute. We're going to talk to USCFootball.com beat writer Dan Weber.
2: Meet us on the other side of the break for more of the Peristyle Podcast. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket
3: source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available.
2: Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287, 1-800-888-7287, that's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com, SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater.
3: Oh, man. What's
0: wrong? It's my marketing guy. I can't get in touch with them, and I'm still waiting on simple website changes to get done. Who are you using? Uh, some cheap and easy website company. I just can't get results.
3: It's so frustrating. I never had that problem with my marketing company. I use Circle Marketing. They're always available, very friendly, and do great work. My business has seen improvements.
0: They handled my website, online ads, and much more. Go to circlemarketing.com and see
3: if they're right for you. Circlemarketing.com, huh? Well I'll go there right now. We now return to the Peristyle Podcast and your host,
2: Ryan Abraham.
1: We are back here on the Peristyle Podcast with uscfootball.com football dot com beat writer Dan Weber joining the show. What's up, Dan? How you doing?
3: Pretty good. Pretty good. Good to be back. Uh start another week. Graduation week at USC. Kind of a neat time. Yeah, and uh you
1: had a you had a great story about um u s c uh graduations and we actually had a question about that um so earl in west l.a wrote in and said uh inside troy he's talking about oh, my twitter handle at inside troy indicated that zach banner was one of several trojans on the current roster graduating this week i'm amazed that banner and former trojan deon bailey could finish a four-year curriculum in three years while playing football at usc and he thought on how they accomplished this in less time than most students
3: I mean, I think, you know, that was their goal. I mean, they worked at it. One of the advantages now is the kids stay here year-round. They train year-round. They, You know, they go to summer school, and um, uh, they've got access probably to more classes, uh, say, night classes, things like that, Um, and maybe more uh, ability to do the kind of classes where, you know, you maybe only meet once or twice a week, but you know, you you have more opportunity to do you know stuff independently and all that. But I think if you want to, uh, you can do it. And uh, you know, if you're you know, if you decide, you know, I'm going to do this, uh, you can get it done. I mean, actually, there's 13 13 guys who could be starters coming into next fall who uh, who will have their degrees. That's that's pretty amazing, actually.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's uh, the, the numbers. I think what was it? 32 or something total players graduated 35. 35 35 okay. i mean it's just amazing the number of guys and especially the guys coming back there and of course you got to be smart enough dan like i mean you it you're you're not dropping a lot of classes if you're able to graduate in three years or three and a half years
3: no you gotta st- you gotta have a plan and you know you gotta stick to it and uh uh that was neat to see guys like patrick turner coming back uh uh Chauncey Washington, Dominic Byrd after, you know, all his years uh, you know, in, in the NFL and and coming back to the, you know, get his degree and still, you know, trying to you know, hook on with a team in the NFL. Uh, pretty neat. Uh USC should feel very good. And I tried to make the point that this is a program that thanks to the NCA was knocked down to as few as 44 scholarship players available for the bowl game in Las Vegas a year and a half ago, and still manages with fewer numbers than anybody in the country to be able to graduate 35 kids in one year. I mean, that's pretty. Uh, I'm sure the NCA will probably have a special award for the uh, for USC to have, have done such a wonderful thing. Yeah, uh, don't you think? Couldn't agree with you more. <laughs> <laughs> um, well
1: let's move on I want to talk to Tarek or talk about Tarek's question I thought this would be interesting which positions do you believe are going to be most up for grabs in fall camp
3: hmm. I think running back will be uh, running back will be one yeah. uh, and I think they're going to you know, work guys together in whether you consider it up for grabs because I don't think we, we necessarily look at starters the way, um, you know, the way we always have, um, I think linebacker, uh, is just a combination of, of guys returning like Lamar Dawson of guys who played last year, like, you know, Anthony Sorrell, who was injured during spring, uh, and, you know, freshmen coming in and, um, and the guys, uh, you know, taking a year and getting better. And it's got the, the mixture of, of basically every element that, uh, that you, that you could possibly look at at linebacker, I think always at USC, um, a wide receiver is going to be uh, you know a position where there's a lot of talent, a lot of different maybe kinds of players who um, all have you know something to contribute. So I would say uh, I would say those and and the secondary I think becomes really interesting because there there's not the difference let's say between safety and cornerback uh, now. And uh, especially playing in the you know in the Pac-12 where you you really need you know very often to have five cover guys on the field, so uh, that will be a different kind of a competition. You know, it's it's not you know where you've got the obvious uh, you know tailor made you know it's going to play safety and you know you've got a you know a, you know smaller quicker guys play corner. USC is going to more of a situation where. You know, by looking at them, you can't necessarily tell who's, you know, who's at what position with the, you know, with the Chris Hawkins or John Flattenberg guys like that, uh, who, you know, are hybrid kind of guys that, that are strong enough or tough enough to play safety, but have the uh, corner skills. So, uh, so, so I, you know, I think we'll just kind of wait and see. I just, I do like the idea that there is going to be competition. I think that's such a key. and It was one of the things that you take away when you drop the numbers down, uh, the way they've, you know, been in the last few years, but, uh, having that competition back. And I think it really mattered, you know, when Pete was here and, and, you know, they, they talked about it a lot, but I think it really was a factor in the way they practiced. And, uh, I I think that'll be back much more, but, but I think the emphasis, that's a good for Tariq to say competition, I think is going to matter and, uh, we'll let that play out in a lot of different places, but, uh, but I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to you know, th- to see the competition is back.
1: Uh, all right. Thanks for that one, Tarek. Let's go to uh, Michael. Uh, he says, my five-year-old son, uh, I'm sorry, I think this is Enrique. He said, my five-year-old son, Michael, was wondering what numbers Porter Gustin, Osa Messina, and John Houston are going to wear this year at USC. Thanks. Have a great day. From the Soto family, Michael, Enrique, and Heather.
3: Yeah, I, I and and I think I, I emailed the as to tell them I would check on this. Uh, I I have to admit uh, the numbers uh, for incoming freshmen are not something I spend a lot of time thinking about. And and one of the things that USC I think has done so well over the years is the only school that doesn't put names on the back of of jerseys. I guess you could say well that means the numbers really do matter. But uh, I just think for freshmen coming in. Um, um, my tendency has been to say well let's see what numbers they give them and then let's go there what you don't want i don't think is to have uh numbers become a part of the recruiting process or we'll promise you this number or uh, for a kid to be really invested in a particular number you know before he's even you know ha- you know made a play then on the field at all so i'm kind of a a numbers down player. but uh, but we'll check on that. And uh, you know, it's it's of interest. I, I think I just don't want it to be too high on the uh, on the the list of things that that incoming uh, freshmen are concerned about. That's that's kind of my my personal take on it.
1: Yeah, and you, USC usually officially releases those numbers a little bit closer to fall camp. So nothing like that uh, officially has come out yet. I don't remember. There might have been some talk about guys wearing certain numbers but you know like like dan it's not really a huge uh always a huge concern for me but um you know i guess we can we can check with some of the guys over the summer when we start seeing them at the uh summer workouts and stuff but like like dan said i just i don't think it's that big of a deal
3: no and it did get to be kind of a recruiting issue a little bit and with promises of a single digit and all that kind of thing i i just uh i would like to stay away from that and and you know you would like that not to be a big uh item on the uh you know list of things to consider in in terms of recruiting
1: i think uh steve sarkoosh is a little more aware of it he's Definitely had less emphasis than Lane Kiffin did. I don't know if you agree with that, Dan. But the but there's some things you don't want to do when, like, Teo Lobedon got a 55 and, you know, they had to move him to 50. There was a little bit of, you know, he heard some flack, I think, about that. Like, why do you have an offensive lineman wearing 55? So uh, I think there's something there, but, I you know, nothing, I think,
0: overwhelming.
3: Right. Yeah, and if it's one of those, well, this is my dad's number and I'd like to wear it, that's great. And, and all of that. Uh and so uh but uh but not something you want to be, you know, focused on a great deal, especially, you know, from the kids' point of view. And, and we haven't heard that much, so that's that's probably a good thing.
1: All right. Let's uh we got a voicemail question for you, Dan. Let me play it. Here you go.
3: Hi, this is Sean from Northern California, a Trojan here, and I am getting more and more frustrated waiting to see if pat hayden and or anyone else at usc is going to do anything about the latest ncaa uh, list of lies that's come out um, as it relates to uh, obviously the persecution of reggie bush so i would love to get you guys the feedback on this i, I just so frustrated um, we seem to be doing nothing for since 2008 when the whole thing came out and now we have a chance and then we're still doing nothing appreciate it thanks Love the podcast. Bye. You know, for uh, for Sean, I hear you know I, you know the people that seem to know keep saying don't give up. They're, they're getting something ready. They're doing something. Uh, we'll see. Uh, I'm not sure why you know the timetable would be. Well, we'll wait till the other 200 pages come out uh, sometime this summer. Uh, we hope. And uh, at that point, USC will, you know, will act or make their point. Uh, You know, ideally, if it were me, (laughs) there'd be a lot of negotiation going on with the NCAA. The NCAA knows what's in those 200 pages. USC ought to, by now, have copies of those 200 pages from the NCAA. And the negotiation should start there with, uh, once you give us those, we'll decide where we go from here. And if you don't give us those, that will, you know, impact our decision. But, you know, we're actually, you know, in, we're getting ready anyway to make a move. We're not going to sit here. We listened to you. We believed you. Now we know you lied to us. Uh, You you didn't treat us fairly. And we need, you know, we deserve to be treated fairly. And, uh, you know, we'll have to, settle this some way or other and if you choose not to you know de- deal with us because of the ongoing legal case then we'll have to decide if we have to do something ourselves and, and that doesn't mean that you absolutely say you know telegraph what you're going to do or how you're going to do it or where you're going to do it or when you're going to do it but you got to do it I mean you got to have a plan they tell me that's going on that, uh, that there is a change in tone with you know, from people who basically for a long time didn't want to admit what we knew was coming and what we knew was there, and we told them they they just didn't want to listen. To be honest, they really didn't want it to be that way. They wanted it not to be that they had been USC had been singled out and treated the way USC had, and um, made a lot of decisions as a result of the fact that they decided this couldn't be, and now you know, those decisions turned out to not be correct. And it's not easy always if you're a big bureaucratic university and you're doing some really good things and you're raising $6 billion, the most, you know, any university's ever attempted to raise at one time in one campaign. And uh, you don't want to get sidetracked and, and all of that. But this is really important. You know, this is important for, you know, USC's good name, Uh, for its brand name, for its, uh, you know, and they can say, well, we're doing great without it, and and that's true. But there's a fairness uh, involved with the athletes, uh, the students, the alumni, uh, the coaches, all the people that were involved uh, that were treated so unfairly uh, deserve some, you know, uh, making it right, you know the the university ought to be involved in seeing that it 's made right for those people and uh and seeing that the NCA c doesn 't do this again, so you know seeing that the n c a is not able to ever do this again to anyone and so uh um, i think i I would you know i i don 't understand why they said we 've got to wait till those other pages come out, but if if that 's you know the timetable they're setting for themselves, I'm willing to let them you know let's let's see what happens, and I'm willing to you know to believe when I hear that no they're really they're really getting something ready, and it will be different from what USC's response to this point has been. Uh, we'll see. Let's just hope that that is correct.
1: All right. Uh, thanks for the uh, update there on the McNair stuff. And we have one more topic, Dan. It's about actually USC track team. We had a voicemail question, too. And I think we um, I think on the Pac-12 broadcast, they said that the uh, after the dual meet, USC versus UCLA, uh, I guess it was two weekends ago. Um, I think the Pac-12 network said that the, the Pac-12 meet would be this past weekend, uh, the weekend of the you know May uh, 9th and 10th. But it's actually the following weekend. Is that, is that how you understand yeah, it? Yeah.
3: Just the only thing that was this weekend was the, uh, the multiple event, you know, like the, have uh, heptathlon decathlon, uh, USC, w- uh, women finished third, I guess. Uh, I think the men were 12th. So, uh, didn't score any points. The women are uh, third, but yeah, it's coming up this weekend. It's at, uh, at UCLA, at, uh, uh, Ducky Drake stadium, I guess. And, uh, i would suggest to uh, u s c fans go out and it ought to be it ought to be fun u s c may not have the depth but uh you know some of the you know some of the schools uh but uh what carol smith gilbert has done for this program and the uh the number of you know absolute best in the nation uh athletes that USC has is uh, is it will be truly fun to watch uh, i i could not recommend any more uh, a place to go this weekend and to go out and cheer, cheer USC on. There are some really, uh, special athletes like Andre de has got, you know, the, the top time in the nation in both the hundred and the 200, you know, they have, you know, you go through the list of, of events. They've just got a lot of kids that are going to score a lot of points on both the men's and men's, uh, last I saw they were ranked fourth in the nation, the women ranked number one in the nation. And so, uh, uh, the turnaround in the, in the track program here in the last couple of years—the the way they've just located, you know, one good recruit after another—you know, a Randall Cunningham Jr. You know, watching him in the high jump—they're uh, uh, just uh, they just so many stars that uh, uh, get out and uh, you know watch this USC team this weekend at, at UCLA in the Pac-12. It'll be—it'll uh, be fun. Uh, well, this and Dan, this. Yeah certainly people
1: check it out, but this question was about the the dual meet, so I'll play this one for you and get your thoughts. Here you go.
2: Yeah, hi, Ryan. Uh, Bill Miller from Cincinnati, Ohio. I don't know if anybody uh, watched the Pac-12 network on the track and field uh, meet yesterday from uh, SC with UCLA, but I thought it was fascinating. They opened with the fact that they had two announcers that were both UCLA people, and uh, I tuned in kind of late, and They were jumping up and down more or less in their voices saying UCLA's won because this broad triple jumper had uh, come back to win with a leap over 50 feet. And they were really excited, and they said, yep, they've got 83 points. And, uh, you know, I was kind of discouraged and everything. And uh, lo and behold, I tune in this morning and find out USC won. So I'm just a little disappointed that we couldn't have someone from USC, at least on the broadcast, to make it a little more impartial. But, uh, again, I think it just shows that maybe graduates of UCLA have trouble counting past 80. Anyway, thank you very much, Ryan, and have a good day. Bye. Yeah, uh,
3: I'll say this. Bill is a uh, a great USC fan uh, at my old stomping grounds of Cincinnati and uh, got to meet him at the uh, Boston College game last year. I had a great time except for the game. Uh, But uh, it was interesting Nobody knew what was going on. I was sitting in between the track announcer and the uh, Pac-12 booth, and sitting next to Dave Tuttle. And we had two different scores because uh, there was a disqualification on the uh, the 400 meter hurdles that uh, where DJ Morgan ended up with third. There was a disqualification of a UCLA guy, and that point. Uh, going from UCLA to USC was the difference uh and yeah the, the triple jumper for UCLA you know went way past all expectations on his very last jump and and, and ended up winning and it, it, and we basically people were sitting there and we said well it's either this score or that score either USC you know if they win the, you know the final uh, uh relay race they win by a point or Have they already lost by a point? And we couldn't, and we we didn't know for sure. And I think maybe uh, the UCLA guys doing the broadcast kind of went with the uh, the UCLA uh, possibility. Uh, Probably it should have been, and and they compressed the meet to two hours, so there was a little bit of a time constraint in terms of you know how much time they had to really figure it out on the on the Pac-12 broadcast. But uh, but it probably should have been one of those. And I think I was live live blogging at the time and I basically said I think UCLA uh, is only up by four and if USC wins the five points you know they win the meet. Um uh, but uh but I wasn't sure and I basically said I really don't know right now uh what the actual score is. Uh we've got two different scores. So so I won't blame him too too much for for not getting the score right. Might blame him for being UCLA graduates. I guess <laughs> uh, would would be the way to go with that one. Darn exciting! I mean, it was it, that was as exciting as you could because USC was down. Uh, I mean, they were down thirty-one to five in the women and the men. I can't even remember uh, how big a lead UCLA had gotten in a lot of events where USC just doesn't have any. Any athletes, they just you know, with a private school and the limit of 12.6 scholarships, you just run out of bodies. Uh, where you know a state school has the ability to have a lot more kids walk on, and you know, or, you know, and share uh, you know events where USC just has more stars and more. You know, they can win more the, you know, the events that, you know, the glamour events, but uh, there are just some that, you know, and they fall way behind. And uh, that was uh, one of the reasons it was so much fun. USC actually has a better chance, say, at the Pac-12 against the other 11 schools than it does in a dual meet. Uh, in a dual meet, the other team is going to get points no matter what. If they have, you know, all the entrants in a particular event, they're going to get all the points when you go to the uh, Pac-12, they won't get any of those points. But USC, because of the talent at the top end, they can still win the same events. Uh, So USC is actually in better, which is one of the weird things, that they're in better shape to win against the other 11 schools than they are to win against uh, any one of the other schools. Very kind of weird how uh, track and seal works
1: certainly does. But check it out this weekend at UCLA. uh, USC trying to win uh, Pac-12 titles with the men and the women. And, uh, Dan, really appreciate you coming on. A lot of different topics this week. And uh, just let everyone know, and, and Dan, I don't think I mentioned this, I'm going to be out of town for the next couple weeks, out of the country, actually, uh, a little vacation. So we won't have a podcast for the next couple weeks, and we'll come back. Uh, I guess the date will be, let me look real quick and make sure, but two weeks we should be down Uh, It looks like June first will be the next uh, podcast. So, hope. I'm
3: thinking that probably will work with kind of about the that's about the time we we would expect them to be back out on uh, you know doing some summer throwing and having the you know the freshmen starting to you know to filter in who we haven't seen uh, thus far. So that's good timing.
1: Yeah, I think so. Take a little vacation, come back. Refresh. So uh, sorry about the podcast being gone for a couple weeks, but you definitely will be back June 1st, and you can still check out uh, the Pac-12 podcast. And we, will, uh, we appreciate you coming on, Dan, and uh, we'll talk to everyone else real soon. That sounds
3: great. All
1: right, thanks, Enjoy Dan, it. and thanks, everyone else. Back in uh, June 1st for the next Peristyle Podcast.
0: You've been listening to the Peristyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com.